At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here's your host, Jonathan Von Tobel. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It's the early week edition of Hardwood Handicappers. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel. we got a good show on tap for you today. A little bit later, we'll talk about some Super Bowl cross-sport props. Those are a lot of fun to dive into as it is Super Bowl week. It is also trade deadline week. The NBA uh, doing, for the first time in a long time, what most wish they could do, taking headlines away from the National Football League, especially in their biggest week, but only for a fleeting moment as Kyrie Irving is now a member of the Dallas Mavericks. So let's just get right into it as part of our Hardwood Headlines. Hardwood Headlines. So Kyrie Irving, he is a Dallas Maverick, a uh, fascinating pairing. And we, you know, we're a betting podcast, so we don't really want to get into the, uh, the minutia of what the Dallas Mavericks shipped off and all that kind of stuff. I'll say up front that it's not really the best deal for the Dallas Mavericks, especially when you consider what they had in front of them in Jalen Brunson and the assets they had to give up. But regardless, they now have Kyrie Irving. Irving is also expected to make his debut on, I think it's Wednesday, against the uh, My Hours. Did I say our? Dare I say? Is anybody uh, listening to this taking the uh, advice that I have been in on and bet the Los Angeles Clippers to win the NBA Finals? Well, if you're in, then our Los Angeles Clippers, yeah, they'll – both make their debut together. It would seem maybe on Wednesday against the Clippers. Luka Doncic has been dealing with uh, some issues in terms of health, so I don't know if his timeline to return lines up with, oh, nope, came down last night. Just wanted to make sure. So Kyrie Irving will make his debut, not Luka Doncic with Kyrie Irving. So with that, let's talk about this big picture-wise and what this means for the Dallas Mavericks. First off, um, the adjustments and uh, where we're at from a futures price standpoint um, when it comes to the NBA to win the finals, these numbers, courtesy of DraftKings, you can move it around in terms of um, odds at different shops and whatnot. But to give you an idea of where we're at, Dallas Mavericks now 15-1 to 1 over at DraftKings to win the NBA finals. To win the Western Conference over at DraftKings, they are 7-1, to 1, the Mavericks are, to do so. In terms of their division, the Dallas Mavericks, um, man, the Mavericks, in terms of the division, i got to tell you that the um, – the Southwest is not really a great division, but the Mavericks are the plus 450 choice behind the Memphis Grizzlies. Grizzlies, the odds on favor by a wide margin at minus 475. We'll get into them a little bit later as well. Uh, but do you want to bet on the Dallas Mavericks to win the title? I would say no, absolutely not. Every time we see one of these trades, and it kind of ties back into everything we've discussed in a lot of these podcasts when it comes to the trade deadline itself. Once the move is made, there is no point. It, it's just a bigger picture version of what some of us do on a night-to-night basis in the NBA. You want to get ahead of the information, right? So you want to make that move, uh, that bet, 
right when the news comes down, if you can get in on it, whatever it is. But at 12 to 1 in some shops, that's the, the price there for the Dallas Mavericks to win an NBA title. It's not worth investing in at this point because not only has the adjustment been made, the over-adjustment has been made. In fact, I would say that if you had the bankroll to make it worth your while, you would find shops like Circa and bet the no on the Dallas Mavericks uh, to win the NBA Finals and or Western Conference. Um, again, if you had the, the if, if you had the bankroll, because I would think I do think there is value in pricing given the way the market has put this Mavericks team up there in their probability of winning an NBA championship. So how does this really work for the Dallas Mavericks? First off, I kind of wanted to take a look at this like in a lot of ways, right? Because we can just sit here and I can say, you know, the Dallas Mavericks aren't really worth betting to win an NBA title. Like, it's simplistic. Okay, let's, let's end the podcast. But I really wanted to look at the way the Mavericks are kind of constructed now. So a projected starting lineup by ESPN would be Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving, that's your backcourt, Tim Hardaway Jr., Reggie Bullock, and Christian Wood, who has returned from injury, would be your starting center potentially. The problem, so first off right away, the thing that sticks out is size, right, or lack thereof. Your starting power forward in this um, lineup would be Reggie Bullock, who is six foot six, or Tim Hardaway Jr., who is six foot five. So either way, you're pretty small at the forward and wing positions. Luka Doncic is big; he's six foot seven, and he's a solid rebounder. But he's still, the, you know, your lead point guard. He is your lead guard. He is not going to be banging down low. So your size is at a little bit of a disadvantage at this point right now. And defensively, that lineup. Um, really leaves a lot to be desired in a very big way. Luka Doncic, Kyrie Irving. You know, Doncic is not a terrible defender by, um, like, you know, he's not like a black hole, but he's not shutting anybody down by any stretch. Neither is Kyrie Irving. Both will try on given nights, but they have their weaknesses on that end of the floor. Christian Wood is not a, a perfect rim protector by any means whatsoever. So when you look at it from that perspective, you do wonder um, from a defensive standpoint, like what this team is going to look like. And, you need to win on the defensive end of the floor if you're going to win championships. You can play the game of, hey, we'll outscore every single team. And sure, maybe that works for you in one best of seven series against a single opponent. But doing that to win three and or four, which you need to, series, that's just not going to work. So from a defensive standpoint, when you ship away a Dorian Finney-Smith type, your best on-ball perimeter defender, that's going to be a problem for you when it comes to winning a championship. So that is, I think, one of the big fatal flaws for the Dallas Mavericks. Now, I think from a day-to-day standpoint, what's going to be very interesting for Dallas, a team that has played very slow. They are second slowest in terms of pace so far this season, according to NBA.com. Get the exact number for, uh, for you here in a second. Uh, there's probably going to be some value in betting this team over their totals. I've got them at 96.3 possessions per game, just ahead of the... Quiz anybody? Can anybody guess? Cleveland Cavaliers are the slowest team in the NBA at 96.24 possessions per game. Um, So Dallas, you would expect that the pace really isn't going to change a whole bunch when it comes to getting up and down the floor. There's probably some sneaky skill in there, and maybe it goes up a little bit, but I wouldn't expect anything crazy. And when Irving was out there on the floor for the Brooklyn Nets, he sped him up a little bit. Transition frequency increased by 1.3% when he was out there on the floor for the Brooklyn Nets this season. It was by 0.9% the season before that, and by 2.3% in the season in 2020-2021. So maybe there's something to Kyrie Irving speeding him up just a little bit, but I wouldn't expect a push from like Dallas Mavericks 29th in pace to like 17th in pace right there's only going to be a little bit of a push there so there'll be a little bit of a slow paced team but if they're going to play wood and 
Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic all on the floor together once Doncic is healthy and returned, this is going to be a team that is, I think, going to be a pretty high-scoring team on both ends of the floor. So those overs on a day-to-day basis are going to be very interesting because pace-wise, those totals are going to be set pretty low. But from a scoring standpoint, they're going to have some really efficient nights and opponents are going to have some really efficient nights. So look for overs for this Dallas Mavericks team once you get Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on the floor together. But I would say this. We saw Luka Doncic, and I'm look, I'm a Clippers fan, so I know this. We saw Luka Doncic in consecutive playoff series absolutely terrorize the Los Angeles Clippers, both in Orlando and then in the uh, best of seven where it looked like the Clippers, I thought, were the best team in the NBA. And we saw what Luka Doncic could do on his own by the time he got to the Western Conference Finals. But at the end of the day, there's a stark difference between that team that got to the Western Conference Finals and this team, and that team was seventh in defensive efficiency. This team is not. This team right now in non-garbage time defensive efficiency heading into Tuesday evening, recording this at about noon on Tuesday. Right now, the Dallas Mavericks, in terms of non-garbage time defensive efficiency, they are 22nd, 115.6 points per 100 possessions. This is not a team on that end of the floor that's going to be able to get you over the hump when it's with its ability to defend. You know, that Western Conference Finals team had two really good on-ball defenders. It had a rim protector. Like, that was a team that was going to do something for you on the defensive end of the floor if all you needed from Doncic was his heroics and his efficiency. This is not going to be that group. So that's a really big flaw for the Dallas Mavericks. Can they win a playoff series? Absolutely. I think in a best-of-seven series, those two are going to be a really big pain for anybody to handle. But when you're talking about winning a best-of-seven, defense is going to be the difference, and I think that is going to be this team's really fatal flaw. And by the way, we're talking about this, haven't even addressed the fact that uh, we don't even know if in a month Kyrie Irving is going to be happy, right? The, the most obvious thing in the world. But just looking at it from a basketball perspective, while you like the pieces in general when they're on the floor, you don't really think, I, at least I believe, that there is some staying power here when it comes to winning in NBA Finals with those two out there. And I'd also like to address for those who are maybe trying to say like, hey, man, there's uh, there's not enough basketballs to go around for these two when it comes to playing together. Um, I think that's a really flawed way of looking at basketball in general, and especially when it comes to pairing up stars, right? The Houston Rockets had Chris Paul and James Harden on the same floor together, and they almost beat the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. That is a really good example uh, of two guys who were very ball-dominant, working together. Uh, I would point it out this on a local radio when I was talking about this uh, just the other day when the trade went down, but Kyrie Irving, and we'll just go for this year alone. Kyrie Irving is perfectly fine playing off ball. He's a 38% catch and shoot three point shooter. So he's going to work off the ball and work well next to Luka Doncic. He is shooting, uh, let's see, percentage of his um, made shots this season that were assisted on 37% according to cleaning the glass, 52% on three-point makes. So, in other words, 52% of his three-point makes were assisted on. So, catch-and-shoot opportunities there. So, he's going to work Kyrie Irving off-ball. It's going to be something that is going to um, not have, I would say, any issues in terms of the the fit on the court. Again, when you're talking about relationships and whatnot, that's an entirely different thing. But when we're talking about purely basketball, I mean, look at what the Brooklyn Nets, when they had James Harden, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving on the four together – Um, when it was together, it worked really well. It's part of the reason why this whole experiment is such a disappointment because when you had your big three on the floor, those lineups were dynamic, they were efficient, 
and they were really great at outscoring opponents when they were on the floor together, and there was a very high ceiling on offense. For example, the first year in Brooklyn with all three of them in just over 400 possessions, uh, you're talking about a net rating of plus 11.4 and offense rating of 123.5. Their most used lineup, which was James Harden, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant with, uh, let's see, Jeff Green, and I think we have Joe Harris here. Yep, Joe Harris, a plus 27.7 net rating and an offensive rating of 137.3. So uh, miss me with the there's not enough ball to go around. This is going to work. On, on the court, this is going to work offensively. So it's just a matter of how they're going to play defensively, as we've already covered, and just the relationship aspect of it. But this is exciting. I think this is exciting for anybody who's got Mavericks futures for whatever reason uh, before the bet was actually made. And it's just exciting from a basketball perspective to see two guys like Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving play basketball together and make their games fit. I think it's going to be absolutely incredible to watch. So that's the Dallas Mavericks perspective. Again, not really like from a betting standpoint. I just want to reiterate, I don't really think there's anything to grab here with the Dallas Mavericks. In a perfect, you know, in a good series matchup with somebody, would they be able to win a series just to recap? Yes. But are we going to bet division futures? No. Are we going and running to bet NBA Finals futures? No. Uh, Conference? No. Really, I think the only betting angle here is once Doncic is back out there to start looking at this team over because that pace is really going to work well with the inability to defend at a high level with their ability to score at a high level and thus making this a little bit of an over team in the early goings with both of them out there on the floor. So I would expect the market moves uh, on a nightly basis with those two to the over. And we'll see what those uh, adjustments are from a totals perspective as we go forward when they are finally put on the floor together. So as we mentioned, it's trade deadline. Let's take our break here. Uh, On the other side, we'll discuss the Brooklyn Nets aspect of this because the Nets are not done. The Nets got a decent little package. And it does seem that by every single little thing that is coming out from uh, NBA reporters around the league, that um, the Nets, they're going to go for it. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths 
Find Zin at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Back here on Hardwood Handicapper. So let's look at this from the Nets perspective. The return, of course, uh, for the Dallas Mavericks uh, trade for Kyrie Irving is, uh, I think it's pretty solid. Outside of the picks, you get Dorian Fitty-Smith, you get Spencer Dinwiddie, and, of course, the 2029 first-round pick, two second-round picks. Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, I think, work wonderfully for what the Brooklyn Nets have and what the Brooklyn Nets want to do. Given the packages that were out there, if you're still trying to win now, Spencer Dinwiddie at point guard, you get Royce O'Neal at shooting guard, you get, I would assume, Dorian Finney-Smith maybe works his way into the starting lineup. Ben Simmons has really not, after that stretch uh, in late November, early December, where Ben Simmons looked like he was going to kind of come around and maybe start looking like old Ben Simmons. He's been fine. He's improved their defensive rating by 2.4 points per 100 possessions. Uh, They have a positive net rating when he's on the floor, and he improves their net rating when he's on the floor. Hasn't done a lot on offense. Dorian Finney-Smith, at the very least, is a a really nifty defensive player along the perimeter. He is also a uh, really good, really solid, we'll call it. I'll get the exact number for you. Uh, A very solid catch-and-shoot three-point shooter in his own right, so he works well off-ball with more ball-dominant guys like a Spencer Dinwiddie type and or Kevin Durant, so he'll be there uh, as a good floor spacer for this team while adding to defense. It's much like Royce O'Neal, right? That's going to be a very, very good piece to have on the floor. You'd assume at the very least, if he's not starting, that he would be a part of the closing lineups, Dorian Finney-Smith, that is, for the Brooklyn Nets as we kind of move forward here. But regardless... You kind of like what they have. And by the way, he's shooting 35% on catch-and-shoot three-point attempts this year, Dorian Finney-Smith. He shot 40% on catch-and-shoot three-point attempts last season, and that was over the course of 80 games and 5.1 attempts per game. So Finney-Smith's been a little dinged up, as we know. Uh, Once he gets to full comfort and availability, he's going to be a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. We know he's a really good 3 and D piece. So I think him, Royce O'Neal, Spencer Dinwiddie fit great. With Kevin Durant out there, you can go smaller if you want to put Ben Simmons out there or Nick Claxton, more than likely, going to be the center. And you have three plus defenders at their respective positions, plus Kevin Durant and whatever other shooting mix you want to throw out there. Like this is a it's a it's a solid group for the Brooklyn Nets to have if this is what they're going to roll with. You say if because there are multiple reports now that the Brooklyn Nets are not done. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski has said that uh, in the aftermath of the Kyrie Irving trade, the Brooklyn Nets and Kevin Durant having ongoing conversations about the direction of the franchise. Organization has thus far told inquiring teams are not planning to trade him before Thursday's deadline. So that's going to be interesting. We'll, that, we'll get to that angle. Uh, Durant did have, Adrian Wojnarowski uh, adds, interest in a deal to the Suns over the summer, but so far the Nets haven't shown a willingness to move him to Phoenix or anywhere else. And, of course, there have been a number of other teams reaching out to Brooklyn about Kevin Durant. There was also a report out there Uh, that the Brooklyn Nets and um, the Toronto Raptors were in discussions for trades, maybe, uh, for Pascal Siakam to go to the Brooklyn Nets. And that, of course, would add to the mix for the uh, Kevin Durant-led Nets. It would not just be a flop or switch, excuse me, of like Kevin Durant for Pascal Siakam and whatever the package may include. Uh, That would be the Brooklyn Nets looking to add another weapon uh, to play alongside Kevin Durant. So, 
there is still a lot going on here in terms of movement. And I would not expect like an OG Ananobi type. I mean, when you get an offer of three first-round picks for OG Ananobi, which was reported, I don't think it's going to be OG Ananobi that's going. It's going to be one of like Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam. And those are the names that have been reported so far that the Brooklyn Nets have been talking to the Toronto Raptors about. So from the Brooklyn Nets perspective, the the interesting part is there it's a couple of things, right? First off, from the perspective of those out there who are already in uh, on the Brooklyn Nets, I think like Will, our buddy Will Hill, who's a VSIN contributor, who's got I think he's like on like fifty to one to win the NBA title. The Brooklyn Nets that he bet in the offseason when everybody's freaking out that Kevin Durant was going to be gone. Uh, there's still some hope that you can hold on to that, but they're going to add some pieces. And maybe Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are part of a package that are flipped then for something else. It's not really a given that those two are going to be part of the team. Remember that part of the holdup for the deal to be consummated was that the Brooklyn Nets were looking for a third team to be part of the deal. So we will see if that is going to be something that moves here. But again, and this is the this is the boring part about having a betting podcast in the NBA when it's also informationally based. So at this point right now, can you look at like let's let's focus on the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn right now to win the Eastern Conference is seven to one, and to win the NBA Finals right now, you can get them in the range of about eighteen to one. At twenty to one, if you can find it out there, is that worth a sprinkle? It could be, especially if they're going to add a piece to add with Kevin Durant into the mix. The problem is, even the wording of the report that I just read from Adrian Wojnarowski, there is still certainly a chance that Kevin Durant here in the next 24 hours tells them, yeah, I want to get out of here, man. Like, this isn't really working out. I thought it was going to happen, but it clearly isn't. I just want to get out. I think you should sell me. And that would mean the entire Brooklyn Nets franchise is up for sale. Not like the actual franchise, but right like like Seth Curry and others would be available for trade because at that point, if you're Brooklyn, you're hitting the red button because you know who's got a lot of value. It's not even just Kevin Durant. It's guys like Seth Curry and Patty Mills who could totally be like those little pieces that contenders need that they add on the fringes to help them out. Right, the Derek Whites of the world that Derek White, remember, went to Boston last year at the trade deadline. So that that, that is a fascinating dynamic for the Brooklyn Nets, where we're now just in this space. And I mean, this is the danger of recording too. I'm going to record this. I'm going to send it out. And then in an hour after I record it, there is going to be a deal that sends Kevin Durant to like the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> so, but I, I think at the end of the day, what you're trying to do here from a betting perspective is just sit around and wait and you can gamble. And that's exactly what it is, right? I sent out the, uh, the, the picture on Friday about, Hey, what would you do with this hand? Well, you know what you'd like, you know, it's a made straight. You keep the straight or, if you're feeling like, hey, I'm having a couple of drinks on a Friday night, I don't want to gamble, then I'm going to keep the three to the Royal and let's just see where what happens from here. If you want to gamble, you can do it. You can take 20 to one and let's see what happens from here on the Brooklyn Nets. But there's a pretty good shot that that made hand is just going to be or going to be ruined if you go for the Royal to kind of keep the analogy going. I know it's a terrible analogy, um, right? And that you're going to get nothing like I did. And you're going to be sitting on 20 to one that's eventually like 40 to one. Uh, or you can bet 18 to one, 20 to one. Nothing really happens. Kevin Durant sticks around, but you just got 18 or 20 to one. There's no market value on that on a team that's eh, what fourth, fifth best in the Eastern conference. And even if they are still fourth best, there's quite the gap between them and the teams that are in front of them. And can Kevin Durant on his own win a basketball series, a best of seven series? Absolutely. Much like we're talking about and what we saw with Luka Doncic and the Dallas Mavericks in that run to the Western Conference Finals. But winning multiple series with just Kevin Durant as like your best player and sole creator, uh, I mean, I think that's a lot tougher. It's a lot tougher. And yes, Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith are good pieces, 
and maybe you can kind of recreate some of the magic that Ma- that uh, Doncic did and make it to an Eastern Conference Finals. But a lot of things would have to go right for you if that's going to be the case, especially because the top of the Eastern Conference, I would argue, is much, much harder to break through than the Western Conference last season that the Dallas Mavericks broke through, right? Which is beating the Phoenix Suns, a very, um, we'll call it, not fraudulent, but fragile. There we go. That's the other word. Fragile favorite in that conference. And they did. And we saw what happened in the Western Conference Finals when they met a team that could really exploit them. So from Brooklyn's perspective, I know that I was asked a couple of times on Twitter, like, hey, is it worth betting? There's rumors that they want to, there's rumors that they want to add. There's a lot of noise that they want to add, but there's also some small noise that Kevin Durant might change his mind and ask for a trade. And you're really kind of gambling at that point. But it's a fascinating, fascinating dynamic right now between Brooklyn, Dallas, and what's going to happen in the, uh, the rest of the way in the association. So with that, let's transfer over some other stuff that I wanted to hit on before we got out of here. And uh, one of those things, actually, we're going to see this team later in action tonight. So I'm pretty fascinated by what is going to transpire between the Memphis Grizzlies and the Chicago Bulls. But I wanted to bring this up, not because of the story, right? The story that comes out that uh, some John Morant associates, we'll call them, um, had appointed some red lasers out at a car, some Indiana Pacers staffers, or vice versa. I've heard that it was a car that they were pointing the lasers at, or that an SUV, there was lasers coming out of the SUV pointing at Indiana Pacers staffers. Regardless, the implication is that, right, there were weapons being pointed at these Indiana Pacers staffers, and that John Morant was in the car uh, in which this was happening, right, or where the threats were coming from. Now, nothing's going to happen. It doesn't seem like John Morant's going to get suspended. Uh, This is another story with John Morant. For those who don't know, John Morant's got a civil suit uh, against him involving a 17-year-old that was assaulted on his property. Uh, there's this. There's the tweet about telling a fan that it's uh, free to feel what hollows feel like. Of course, hollow points. Um, so there's a lot going on with John Morant. There's also a lot of tremendous memes out there with John Morant now, which uh, make me laugh. TikTok's awesome. Um, but really, the story is about Memphis. And what I wanted to bring up was just how bad it's gotten for the Memphis Grizzlies. And now you have this growing noise, right? They are 1-8 and eight straight up, 2-7 and seven against the spread in their last nine games. They've been outscored by 6.8 points per 100 possessions. Their defense has regressed a bit, but their offense has been terrible, really bad. 109.8 points per 100 possessions and non-garbage time during this nine-game slide. It's the third-worst offensive rating in the NBA. So it's a, and that's to make it sound more dramatic, right, because... It's a nine-game sample size. Regardless, an offensive rating of 109.8 over the course of nine games, um, that's not very good. Not very good at all. And it speaks to something that I have discussed with Kelly on this podcast. It speaks to, I discussed it with uh, Matt Moore, who does work for the Action Network, who I got to do some of the betcasts with as well on League Pass. And it's just that there is something about this Grizzlies team that even during these runs of winning streaks that they were on, which, by the way, during a very home-heavy schedule, that you felt there was a pause in, or you, like there was a pause for me and for others in con, like seriously considering them to be contenders for an NBA Finals champion despite racking up regular season wins. And this is part of the reason why, and it's not because they're losing out of nine games, but if you just think about where they're at and why they're struggling, right? Their, their offense, for example, Steven Adams is very important. And Steven Adams has been out for a while. But at the same time, Steven Adams should not be the reason that your offense just plummets like this over the course of nine games. From a shooting standpoint, for the season, the Memphis Grizzlies have been an, a pretty inconsistent shooting team for the most part. They've been looking for a lot of production out of the shooting guard spot outside of Desmond Bain. 
and they haven't really gotten it from their other pieces. Right now on the season, Memphis is 23rd in three-point shooting, 35.2%. They shoot 33.9% on above-the-break three-point shots. During this losing streak, they're shooting 31.9% from beyond the arc. So you have this nine-game struggle that they're going through. Their offense has completely disappeared during these nine games. Their three-point shooting, which was below average, well below average already, is looking even worse at this point right now. Bain's their only real legitimate three-point threat. And now you get more noise around your young star, John Morant, what's happening. So it's, look, there are ebbs and flows to a season. And we could come back from the all-star break in a couple of weeks here, and Memphis is going to be just fine. They're going to roll into the regular season or the postseason very, very, in a very good position. Having said that, these little things are why I think there is some hesitancy from me and from others to buy into Memphis. And we haven't even even addressed the other weaknesses, right? Which is there are going to be playoff series in which Steven Adams is not playable because of the way he plays defensively, because of the way he can be exploited. The Minnesota Timberwolves played him off the court in that series in which they eventually won. They had to go smaller, and it worked for them, but they also had to come back from multiple double-digit leads. Uh, deficits, I should say. John Morant, as a defender, is a subpar defender. And in best-of-seven series in which opponents are going to hunt mismatches and go after the weak links on defense, he is going to be one of those guys that is gone after consistently on that end of the floor. That's also another issue. And on top of being a below-average three-point shooting team, all of those things you kind of need right? when you're talking about winning a best-of-seven series in the association. So I'm really interested. As I said, we're recording this on Tuesday at about noon, 1 o'clock. We'll see exactly uh, what this matchup looks like for Chicago because the market really hasn't been budging at all when it comes to this run or slide, we'll call it, for Memphis. They still opened up a a 7.5-point favorites against Chicago. Uh, they got bet up, and it looks like this is up to nine and a half now. So, assuming that there's some injury news here that happened in the last couple hours that I missed, let's see. I always love this because then you don't really get what you want out of some of these. Yeah, DeMar DeRozan popped up with hip soreness is questionable. So, look, that changes things. It's still a little bit of an overvalued number for Memphis, um, and they put together some really lackluster games. So, wouldn't put it past them to again put forward something a little lackluster here. Regardless. Memphis is a really fascinating story now as you move forward because of this slide. And you can say that they're missing Steven Adams, but Steven Adams does not make you fall to one and eight and nine games and poor and playing as poorly as they are on the offensive end of the floor. Although he is a very good offensive rebounder. All right, let's get to the other big story coming out of the NBA. I guess this is kind of like an extended version of Hardwood Headlines. It's really just like this entire show. I probably should have done this at the top of the Hardwood Headlines, but... You know what? What are you going to do? Sue me, eh? Steph Curry, injured yet again. Uh, This is pretty tough. He's out indefinitely with ligament damage. Now, the way that this is phrased is that he is going to be out for a few weeks, whatever that means. Uh, The All-Star break is coming up, so that does kind of lessen the blow there, right, when it comes to losing Steph Curry. The, um, what are we at? I think we're like about 14, yeah, so we're about two weeks away, just under that from the all-star game and all-star break and all-star weekend. So again, so if you're out a couple of weeks, lessens the blow of Curry's absence. Um, what this means for the Golden State Warriors, big picture-wise, I mean, there's a couple of things. First off, uh, Kelly and I tried to make a bet. I did, at least. Kelly and I both tried to make a bet on um, Jordan Poole, who was about to get benched out of the starting lineup for uh, Steve Kerr and the Golden State Warriors. He wanted to go big, so he's going to bring Looney back into it. But Steph Curry gets hurt. Jordan Poole is back in the starting lineup after not even spending a day back on the bench. So 
I think he's all been eliminated from six man of the year at this point right now because it's just going to be a little too hard mathematically and his numbers as a start, all that kind of stuff. So it, it's really not going to work out too well. Now, what this means for Golden State is another question. And you don't really want to freak out, I think, about some of these injuries because, like Zach Lowe put it really well you know, on his podcast, when these injuries happen, you freak out, you think what's going to happen in the standings, and then you look up and the team played near 500 basketball, and that was the case for the Golden State Warriors. I think they were 6-5 and five in the 11 games in which they did not play uh, or did not have Steph Curry on the floor, which he did not play. So they float around 500. They're going to be fine. Now, and they're only, look, a half game out of the six seed this, at this point right now. The Phoenix Suns are climbing because they're playing better basketball. They are healthy. We're going to get Devin Booker back on to, actually tonight, so uh, we'll get to see what this team starts to look like from a full-strength perspective. The, the West is so bundled, bundled up that a little bit of a slide from Golden State, the ground that they're going to have to remake up once Curry comes back is not going to be massive. So it's just worth pointing out that Curry's not going to be out there. There was really no discernible like uh, trend out of those Golden State Warriors games. You thought they'd be better defensively in some of those games were going to be lower scoring. That wasn't really the case. They had a home stand in the midst of it that they actually really took care of business uh, with. So... As you look at their schedule going forward before the All-Star break, the Golden State Warriors, um, in terms of being home-heavy, that is not really the case, but they don't have to leave the West Coast. They open up with Portland on Wednesday. They're going to be on the road. They're home against the Lakers and the uh, Wizards before going to that two-game homestand on the road against the Clippers and the Lakers. And actually, I shouldn't even say that because I'm looking at the wrong schedule. Uh, there's the All-Star break in between there. So they end. They have four games left before the All-Star break. They come back on February 23rd, and then they do open up a five-game homestand. So they'll be perfectly fine. Regardless, though, they have the All-Star break, and they don't leave the West Coast one time until, let's see, Tuesday, March 7th. So the Warriors are going to be home. They're going to be in the Pacific time zone for the next month. So it's not going to be the worst situation traveling-wise for the Golden State Warriors. I think this is more fascinating to uh, like bring up from Jordan Poole's Six Man of the Year conversation to where now, tying that into where that market is at this point right now. Um, because it's just been all over the place. And now Malcolm Brogdon is your favorite to win the award at plus 140. Um, Tyrese Maxey. I don't understand what the market's been doing with Tyrese Maxey and Norm Powell. Like, they've just been going back and forth, passing each other in the odds. And now Maxey, again, is ahead of Norm Powell, 5-1 uh, to 6-1. to one. And again, these numbers are courtesy of DraftKings. So, like, where this is at right now at this point, it's, it's pretty weird. But it's just worth bringing this up that Curry's going to miss some time. Pools back in the starting lineup. And um, those six man of the year hopes all but dashed, all but dashed for Jordan Poole. I will say we got a bet, we got a good number. I got uh, we got forty to one that was available here at BetMGM Nevada, and um, everywhere else is like sixteen to one on Poole. So closing line value, even though I'm sure by the time the season ends he'll be like off the board and <laughs> it won't really matter uh, at all. The last note I wanted to hit on NBA wise, um, actually, do you want to hit on both? No, I'll just hit on one real quick. So the Los Angeles Clippers end their East Coast trip. They, by the way, the Clippers, no more East Coast games. Uh, they were all done with their East Coast road trips for the rest of the season. So that's an interesting little scheduling. Is it a quirk? I don't know if it's really a scheduling quirk for the most part for the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, but their East Coast games all done so far for the season. So when they go on road trips now, uh, they won't be going to the, East, uh, the Eastern time zone Um for the rest of the season, which is pretty good. And their road trips now, they actually kind of have a home-heavy schedule the rest of the way. And uh, their road trips, they don't have a road trip of more than three games, the Clippers do, for the rest of the way. And they have a good chunk of home games as well. So they're going to be able to, as I mentioned before, they're going to build up some continuity. The level of these opponents is pretty tough. 
when you're talking about Dallas, then Milwaukee, Golden State, on the road against Phoenix, although that Golden State game gets a little bit easier. Right, home against the Kings, who are kind of starting to slide a little bit here and whatnot. Um, but regardless, Clippers, they have been an interesting watch because the the theme now has kind of been flipped on its head for the Los Angeles Clippers in terms of blowing some of these leads, right? Because last year it was all about coming back from these big deficits. This year it's about going to Philly, getting a 20-point lead and blowing it. It's about going to Milwaukee, getting a 20-point lead and blowing it. It's about having a large fourth-quarter lead against the New York Knicks, blowing it, needing overtime, and then eventually getting bailed out and winning that game. That has been the interesting part about this. So they came back against the Brooklyn Nets the other night, but what I really wanted to focus on from a betting angle uh, was this team's uh, totals and the way that they have been running. So if you read the column the other day, the play in the column was that Nets game, the Nets Clippers, over the total, and that was for a very good reason. It was one because you figured the Clippers against the Nets, who have really declined defensively, have um, have the ability to really get into that defense and score at a high clip, which they ultimately did. 124 points and a good offensive rating in that game. But they also gave up 116 points. And their defensive rating um, has really kind of not tanked because that sounds like a terrible. Uh, but recently, the Clippers have not been playing uh, the best defensive basketball that you know that they're capable of at this point. Because when you have Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you would think that you'd be able to play defense at a really high level. And they're still 11th in overall non-garbage time defensive efficiency. But you see some of these games. Defensive rating of 119.8 against the Knicks. 125.4 against Cleveland. That was the night where, you know, they sat everybody. But in Atlanta, 117.7 against the Los Angeles Lakers that night where LeBron went nuts, 122.2. So, like, you go around 124 or 142 defensive rating against the San Antonio Spurs in the rematch um, that they played on the road. Or, excuse me, the first matchup that they played on the road. You just look around and you realize that they've had these weird kind of flare-ups defensively they have not looked very good. A 133.7 in that home game against the Philadelphia 76ers on January 17th. So these games have been going over the total for the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, currently right now, you're looking at 7-2, and 7-3. Yeah, 7-2. No, no, excuse me. 8-2 or 7-3, depending on the total, to the over for the Los Angeles Clippers in their last 10 games. Might be a small sample size deal. The end of the road trip against Brooklyn was kind of a spot where you knew that effort-wise it wasn't going to really, uh, really be there. Now you come back home for three games on home. You come back home for three games before ending your first half, we'll call it, before the All-Star break on the road against Phoenix. Maybe this is a good stretch to kind of start to get your defensive legs underneath you, but it's just very much worth mentioning that the Clippers have been on this little slide defensively and that these games have been going over the total. And uh, maybe it was just a road trip thing, but it's worth monitoring over the last four games before we get to the All-Star break. All right. Last little thing before we get out of here, Super Bowl props. Um, can't wait. Super Bowl 57 is going to be great. This is a really good matchup. I'm in the uh, the Superbook prop contest. That'll be a lot of fun. Quite a few props. There are also quite a few pro- cross-sport props that were fun to discuss um, and look at. There's a couple that I'll bet. Like uh, So, for example, let's start with – I'll go through the five that I wrote about. Um, some I feel much more strongly about than others. But Philadelphia Eagles – so how about this one? Philadelphia Eagles points over Tyrese Maxey points. Uh, the uh, Maxey – Maxie and the 76ers are playing the Brooklyn Nets. So first off, Maxie coming off the bench, that is obviously something that is um, a factor. He's averaging about 15 points per game coming off the bench, so his scoring has not been at the same clip as it was before. Um, and if you look at comparing it with Philadelphia's team total, 25.5 as of Monday, Tuesday, if you're using those as a barometer, you would say, okay, that's like a 10-point difference. Of course, you're going to lay 3.5 with the Philadelphia Eagles. But I thought it was – there's a couple of interesting factors. First off, 
Last six opponents for Brooklyn, 127.1 defensive rating. So they haven't been defending at the same level uh, at all. If you go back to the matchup on January 25th against the 76ers, Maxi torched them for 27 points off of the bench. So coming off the bench while he's only averaging 15, there's obviously situations against lesser defensive squads, which he can get in there. I'm also somebody who thinks that Philadelphia is heading into this game and is going to not play very well, is going to lose the game. I'm in on the Chiefs. Um, the details as to why I would get mentioned really quickly, but I just think it was uh, Tyrese Maxey plus three and a half points versus Philadelphia Eagles points is uh, the interesting angle there for the first one. The other crossbar prop that I thought was really interesting as well that I uh, really wanted to hit was the, where are we at here? Let me see. Uh, oh, yes, this one. Okay. Memphis Grizzlies and Boston Celtics first quarter points minus two and a half over Miles Sanders rushing yards. So this all has to do with Miles Sanders. So if you look at the production for Sanders recently, since week 15, he's rushed for just 335 yards on 83 attempts. It's four yards to carry. Lowest graded running back by PFF standards, by the way, Sanders has been uh, over that stretch. Just a PFF running grade, a rushing grade of 60. It's very poor. He also has to deal with Kenneth Gainwell eating into his, t- his attempts. Gainwell's been a lot more explosive, too. 5.7 yards per carry since week 15. So you have a more explosive back behind you that could potentially eat into your attempts on a single-game setting. You have not been productive since week 15. I was DM'd and told that they've been dealing with, uh, they've been trying to manage a knee issue for Miles Sanders, which doesn't make you really feel great. And tying this back to what we were talking about with the Memphis Grizzlies, I kind of put to the side, like, oh, they've been worse defensively without Steven Adams. They, they have been. Uh, 117.9 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time since they lost Steven Adams to injury. They have allowed 123.6 per 100 possessions in the opening quarters of games without Steven Adams on the floor. And... Those uh, opening numbers have seen an average of about 60.4 points per game. Now, the obvious issue is, because you're talking about a game against the Boston Celtics, do you do enough here offensively, because remember how bad their offense has been, to get up to that 60-point average? But I would think that their defense is going to allow that to balance out against Boston. And given my, um, we'll call it like, you know, negative view on Miles Sanders and what his production could be in this game against the Kansas City Chiefs, Thought uh, Memphis-Boston first quarter points minus two and a half was interesting. There's a ton, though, man. Jalen Hurts rushing yards over LeBron James, points, rebounds, and assists. That's going to be interesting because I don't think Hurts going to be running that much. He's scrambling less. Um, the market, by the way, is props. Uh, the market has been kind of up on Jalen Hurts at some spots. Uh, you know, and maybe maybe a couple of these shops opened him kind of low on his rushing yard props, but those have been going up. Uh, regardless, uh, LeBron James points, rebounds, and assists. They're playing the Warriors that night. Thought was pretty interesting over Jalen Hurts rushing yards for the game. And um, John Morant points, rebounds, and assists. Minus 140 over Travis Kelsey first half receiving yards. The first half made it interesting because, obviously, you're cutting the sample size in half for Kelsey. Um, but he struggled against the Boston Celtics. Kind of going back into that first quarter analysis. So I will see what that is going to look like. But I am going to – I bet the, uh, the maxi ones over at Superbook. I bet that – and there's going to be a couple of others. Some interesting ones, too, right? We have uh, one of the ones that really moved was, and this one's now off the board because Curry's not going to play, but Steph Curry points versus Patrick Mahomes completions. Superbook opened that up at completions minus 4.5 in favor of Mahomes. Station Casinos opened it up Mahomes or Curry minus 2.5. So there was that adjustment because then Westgate Superbook moved to minus 2.5 in favor of Curry. So there was a move there, but that's off the board. Uh, Golden State Warriors first quarter points versus Jalen Hurts' pass attempts, minus uh, half in favor of Jalen Hurts. Let's see, the other ones that were interesting. Um, Jason Tatum made three-pointers against Dallas Goddard receptions at minus one and a half. 
Pistons first half points against Devonta Smith reception yards. Uh, Smith minus 10 and a half in that matchup. Pascal Siakam made free throws minus a half versus A.J. Brown receptions. I love these things. And they're just so much fun to track, especially the, like with the basketball games themselves and getting the results and then comparing and contrasting what some of these uh, markets are going to need. Fred Van Vliet points and assists versus Kansas City Chiefs points. Joel Embiid points, rebounds, and assists. Jalen Hurts rushing yards. By the way, go to the website, vcin.com. I know Andy McNeil is working on a NHL cross-sport prop bit as well. So I just wanted to spend some time on that. It's a lot of fun. Anyway, all right, I've been rambling for a long time. Let's get out of here. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe if you could, please. Really appreciate it. And, of course, always go to vcin.com. The daily write-ups are there. And we're doing a great job with the Super Bowl stuff and more. We'll talk to you later in the week when Kelly Bidlin's with us. We get a little bit closer to the Super Bowl. We'll get his thoughts on some cross-board props and more when we talk to you in a couple of days here on Hardwood Handicappers. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.